Okay, on the podcast today, we've got some longtime well, listeners and callers, I guess. Uh, we've got from the great state of Texas, Shaggy and Funk. We've got from Casper, Wyoming, Mr. Micah Rush. And we've got all the way from the sunny Florida East Coast, Mr. Nate Paulsberg. How's everybody doing? Fantastic, Mark. Doing great. Thanks for having us, Mark. Um, what I'm going to do is just kind of go around the horn, just have you do a quick introduction, because there may actually be people that haven't listened to a previous podcast um, with you on it, just so they know who you are. I'll just start in no particular order, just as I move across my screen. Mr. iPhone, I'm assuming that's Nate, because it's the only person that doesn't have a uh, name up with him. Nate, just a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, sir. Thanks for having us on, Mark, of course. Um, yeah, so my name is Nate Paulsberg. I'm the Managing Director of Elevated Safety. Uh, I'm a former lieutenant with Palatine Fire Department out of Illinois. I actually just retired in October to go full-time uh, managing director of Elevate Safety. We just became too busy. Uh, as everyone on this call probably knows, uh, having two full-time jobs wasn't working out for me. So I was able to retire from the fire department. Now I'm just doing full-time Elevate Safety. But yeah, I was a lieutenant on Palatine Fire Department for 18 years. And then I was also on our state USAR team. And yeah, I, uh, since then I did live in Illinois. So elevated safety, we have, uh, locations in Chicagoland area and then Denver. And then now I have just moved to sunny Florida. So we were trying to build that market up down there in Florida. Yeah. Congrats for that. I mean, that's quite the move. Um, and everybody here knows trying to do two things at once is really difficult. And if I didn't have any more than two years left, I may join you in that kind of, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, congrats on that. That's uh, quite the leap. Thank you. All right, moving across the line, I have Micah Rush. How's it going, Micah? Good, Mark. Thanks for having us again. Um, super psyched to be back. Yeah, Micah Rush uh, with Peak Rescue in uh, Wyoming. Just a small training response company, sort of move around the world and uh, try to teach skills and learn new skills. I've got to ask, it's just a little bit of a, of a tangent here. The social media, what were you highlighting down the other day? Um, was this at the beach area? Yeah. Yeah, we were in uh, Haiti um, teaching aerial rescue for zipline rescue for a team. Oh, uh, so they, they have the longest zipline over the water in the world. And um, so we sort of developed a rescue program for them. And then that was our second trip. So I'm not going to complain because as we were just talking, I think it's 10 degrees in Wyoming right now with blowing wind and snow. So uh, going to the beach and teaching in flip-flops is not a bad option. No, not at all. And then on the, uh, the last but not definitely not least, all the way from the great state of Texas, we have uh, Mr. Shaggy and Miss Funk. Uh, how are you guys doing? We're great, Mark. It's the uh, country of Texas. The Republic of. Exactly. Um, yeah, we're Vertical Integrity Rescue. I'm uh, Stephanie Funk Hyatt. I'm the COO and 5050 uh, owner. I was a mechanical engineer by trade, and I was doing the working two jobs for two years as well. Um, three, if you count having a, uh, a tiny baby girl. So back in uh, May of this year, I also took the plunge and left my full-time job and are now doing uh, Vertical Integrity Rescue full-time and loving every minute of it. While it is terrifying, it is very satisfying and fulfilling. Here, here. Uh, I'm Shaggy, uh, CEO of 
vertical integrity and again uh, managing partner with funk uh, I think this year is my 38th year on rope. Uh, I was on a industrial team for 11 years and I retired as captain of that team in July and went full time. And uh, we're trying to get Micah and Pfeiffer to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that could be tough. Like I said, uh, I've only got two years left. I could see the door already. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And Steph, you uh, just competed at a grip day this last I did. year. Not yet. I did. I was on the uh, Yes Ma'am team, the first ever all-female team uh, to compete in a uh, grimp competition. And it was um, amazing, to say the least. There were seven women from seven different countries, and I think we spoke three different languages. And the first time we met was two days before the competition down in Los Angeles. Um, but I can honestly say I have six amazing friends from around the world now that all are some badass women on rope right on and i saw they just competed in taiwan uh did they actually were in grimp namur and then they uh were in taiwan last week and they are crushing it on the competitions so today's podcast is a little bit about npr new paradigm rescue and some of the thought processes in regards to that, why this exists, where it came from, what's the concept. And uh, I guess we could just start straight out. I, when we were talking offline, somebody said something, and I actually think it might be a, the better sticker, NBR, No Bullshit Rescue, as opposed to New Paradigm Rescue. And it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, let's just go and get it done. And I'll throw it back over to Nate because he had a, like a, a really great synopsis of this. I can see why, you know, Sean's made him the, the head speaker for that particular organization. Um, and just what, what the NPR is about, Nate. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll see if I can do what I did offline, online. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, so this all started off, honestly. I mean, it's been a process going through it. Um, thinking about over the last decade of being on a rope, I think for all of us, I think all four companies on this podcast right now, including your own kind of have the same mindset for this. Um, and as any good idea comes, it comes with having beers after a class by a pool. So we were actually down at the um, Ronin Rescue the Rescue class in Orlando a few months back. And we were just dis- discussing some things afterwards and we were trying to think of the next, next evolution, next steps. I think Ronin did a great job of kind of thinking outside the box as well with that Rescue the Rescue class. Uh, if you have not been to one of those, I highly suggest it. I uh, had the uh, pleasure of being a student in the class with uh, Ed and Mike and Shaggy were the lead instructors. You know, it's, it's just a great class in general, just going through, working through problem solving. So it's just it's kind of the next evolution of training, trying to think of the next things to go after. And that's what, what we were really looking at. And you know, I think all of us have been around for a while now and just looking at how the fire service specifically and other rescue organizations and training companies are going. Um, and we're just trying to get back to that, like what actually happens in rescues and like what actually needs to get done. And it needs to get done is rescuing the victim. It's none of this fancy, um, some of the social media stuff that's out there. That's, uh, gets a lot of likes. That's great. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's not good for some training for some people, but in the end, 
you know, we used to do a lot of that stuff ourselves and it just, we go back to a drill or whatever else and just people weren't retaining it. It's just difficult. It's very niche. It's very that one percenters, those instructor level guys that maybe that's helpful for, but the majority of people out there doing rescues in the real world aren't doing a lot of that stuff. It's just down and dirty, get it done, get the person down in a safe and efficient manner. And I think we've seen a lot of, a lot of it going that way in general with um, the big in, influx of rope access coming into um into the fire service and people seeing that using using asaps and ids and now clutches and things of that nature to make it more efficient and less human error prone and um you know you can you can accomplish a lot with this one one highly trained individual technician and highly trained gear whereas before it's much more team-based so getting things done in a, in a quick efficient manner is kind of our thing and uh that's where this kind of this class came to we just really want to get back to what matters. Um, and you know, again, part of this is, is the rest of the rest of your class. You'd see it big eye opener for me and I'll let the other people talk as well, but big for me was going to Grimp again. Um, and again, um, I thank you guys for voting for getting us into it, but when we did go to Grimp in Belgium and, and in LA, you know, again, you're, it just, it's just the proof is in the pudding, right? Like when you're going out there, you're not setting up all this, this crazy stuff. It's, you're having highly efficient dudes going down, making access quickly, and they're getting the patient and bringing them out quickly because that's what matters um, is getting the patients out safely. And that's what you see at Grimp. So you start to learn a lot of that. Like it really opened my eyes. It's like, like wow, we don't need this for as transition. We can accomplish this in this other way, another way, still in a very safe and efficient manner, but it's way faster. Um, and then the other thing too is um, – Beyond that is, is, I know Ronan does as well, and so does Elevated Safety and uh, other ones. But like we post all a lot of rescues throughout the country. So over the last decade or so plus of watching rescuers, rescues across the country, you just don't see any of this, a lot of this um, crazy rigging and some of this stuff going on. Maybe there's a little bit going on every once in a while, but the majority of them are just like, uh, again, just accessing the patient, getting them down and, uh, in a quick and efficient manner. And just a quick side story on it is, you know, like I'll bring up Chicago fire department, a bunch of our guys were on a rescue last year. And I bring it up in a lot of our classes is because you don't see any social media on it. You don't see anything from it because these guys went up there and they, and they were able to like 540 foot rescue on the side of a building and uh, guy cut his main line. He was hanging about 500 feet up and they went up and they thought through it. And they even said to themselves, they thought through, they were going to set up a high point and all this stuff. And like, you know what, we can just do this with, two uh two clutches over the side and just set up a twin tension system and bring this guy back up over and they had him back up over in 15 minutes and there's no news coverage of it because they were able to accomplish it um they were able to access the victim and rescue the victim in such a quick and efficient manner that they just didn't need didn't get much coverage so i thought that was you know great that's that's what i want to see is is that if possible so that's kind of my thought process on i'll you know obviously i'll let the other guys speak as well but that's kind of um my initial thoughts on it. Right on. Um, I'll get to Mike in next year with a question, but just a tangent off of that. Yeah. I mean, I think we see that a lot. Uh, we did a rescue yesterday. I'm still working fire. We had two crews to get the guy over the really shitty 90 degree edge. And then it was a TTRS with two dudes on, you know, a clutch each and one guy on the pocket, like three person rescue. So I think you're right. Like <clears throat> there's a lot of funny things we can rig, but at the end of the day, we're just going right over the edge and making it quick and dirty and getting it done. Um, Michael, my next question is for you, because it comes a little bit out of what Nate said there regarding, he said, you know, it's getting a little bit smaller teamed. 
and he spoke specifically about rope access. And I know you're a rope access tech, but you're also a mountain guide. Do we see bleed over from small team stuff from those types of industries, both rope access and from you, the mountain guide, the uh, guiding community coming in now into this? Oh, I, I think 100%, Mark. We've, I always say that I think we need to stop investing in so much gear and invest in our people. And if you look at those other disciplines, rope access, or you look at um, the mountain guide world, uh, there isn't a huge team coming and you're dealing with, with what you have. And what those people are is highly trained. There's a rigorous testing process that's third party that you get to go there. And what we're seeing with these sort of teams all over the world, it's not just the country, is where they're getting these big teams and maybe you have four studs on the team and everybody's kind of relying on them. Um, and then they're just buying all this new shiny equipment, trying to make the rescue easier. In my opinion, there's a point where it's like, we need to start investing in our people and getting them highly trained and actually putting it back onto them. And what I'm seeing around is people want that. They want to be, they want that sort of skill level and they want the investment, but they're just not getting it. And so to me, that's sort of where this came from. Um, I guess like uh, Nate was saying, you know, by the pool, but one of the other things I want to point is like our company's getting together. It's, it's knocking down this sort of uh, competitiveness. I've always thought, man, there's, there's so much work out there and we're all sharing the good news. We're all super blessed for what we do. Um, if we can just eat our humble pie and just work together on these collaborations, I think it's going to work. The, the social media posts with these massive systems and, and they get all these likes. It's like, it's not getting it done. If, if that was my family member and you were spending an hour to set up and get them, I'd be pretty upset. So um, yeah, sound roundabout. I know I'm tangenting there, but yeah, definitely. I think from where I come from, you invest in the people with highly high skills and then you put them in a team. And if you can get everybody built up to that, I think that's the way to go. Okay. Um, I like that. I'm going to follow that up with Shaggy and then Funk with a couple specific questions. Shaggy, you've been quoted as uh, saying something about the, we'll call it the North American Fire Service and perhaps the, you know, the tertiary duty that rescue becomes and it gets a little bit watered down and trying to make it as simple as possible. But yet I hear both. Nate and Micah saying, no, we, we need to get texts that are actually texts. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the, I, I agree both with Nate and Micah. I, coming from the industrial side of this, it is, uh, it's less complicated than backcountry, obviously. You, you, we don't need high directionals most of the time. We have unquestionably sound anchors everywhere. And what we're seeing as training providers, or even as a captain before I started the business, is uh, these people are just really slow to make patient contact because of all of the setups. And a lot of it has to do with their AHAs and not letting these people go hunt. And if, if I have rescue techs, highly trained guys uh, that can use all the, the pieces of equipment properly, I ought to be able to, to kind of fire and forget and let them go hunt. And uh, teams aren't doing that right now. It's like you have to have everything perfect before you go over the rail. Uh, I don't even recall the last time I used a high point in a rescue. I just, you just generally don't need it. And I think uh, what's happening with the fire service in America is we're doing some of these classes and making them very, very complicated and teaching uh, radium release hitches and those kind of things. And, and uh, those things are not needed anymore. And uh, we need to push forward uh, and learn how to do a lot with a little amount of gear. It doesn't necessarily have to be thin gear either. It can, you can still be half inch, but uh, 
the clutches and maestros and stuff uh, are uh, are taking a lot of this work out of it. And we should be concentrating on getting a, one or two pieces a year in people's hands that they can use for a lot. Um, I want to follow that up with Stephanie. Uh, engineer by trade. <laughs> Engineering, I mean, there's a lot of stuff about process. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff about you know, making sure that the process in the background when you run an engineer or engineering things is in play. Is there, you know, when I hear a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here, you know, training up our people, uh, making sure that we've got, you know, I won't say limited gear, but gear that's going to, you know, help solve the problem, no complicated gear. Do you see anything from your previous world as an engineer that could be brought into this? So it's actually funny, Mark, that I use more engineering or technical education in rope rescue than I ever did as a mechanical engineer working um, in my previous role. Um, I'm able to take those the skills of forces and angles and moments and help um, use that knowledge and break it down into what I believe and what our students have told us is um, a way to understand it a different way. Like I said, all, all four of us, all five of us have different backgrounds and we're able to reach the students differently with our experiences. And a lot of people look at me when I come in and say, hi, I'm, I'm an engineer and I'm gonna teach you rope rescue. They, they kind of laugh. And then after the first day, they're staying after and asking questions and following that because we do see it's a very methodical way of getting to the patient. You are getting, you have a checklist, you have a critical path, just like rope access. And it's, it's how my brain works. And it's how we've curated our curriculum mm -hmm. in order to teach that on get to the patient as quick as you can and work with your team so that they have the skill set to get you back out and are ready to pull you and the patient out as soon as you are done packaging. So I think there, there is that similar process. It's more of like a way of thinking that I've, I've used my whole life. I just didn't realize how much, how much mechanical engineering there'd be in rope rescue. And honestly, it's, it's quite exciting to me. I am a nerd, okay? I don't think I've had anybody on the podcast. Like this would be like episode like the eighties at this point talking about exciting and mechanical engineering in the same sentence. But okay, there we go. Yeah, there's a first for everything. Um, Shaggy, I want to kick back over to you really quickly. You said something before we got on about gear inspection, and Steph just mentioned something about critical path, and I think that's a good segue into that. Where you want to just talk about, you know, that what you'd spoken about earlier in regards to gear inspection, because that is a critical path item in my mind. I'm drawing a blank. Help me uh, out. About a, somebody had damaged a rope in a competition and uh, yes, they yes, were yes. just going through the motions. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. The, the competition that we are chairing here in Texas is uh, international rescue and emergency care association or IRECA. And one of the things that they did during all these times that we podiumed as competitors was uh, this big thing where you had to put all your gear up and be ready for reuse and then your time stopped. And what we saw as um, uh, while we watched the competition last year is these people were going through the motions of inspecting their gear 
and they actually uh, damaged a rope through a portion of the kern and put it up and then redeployed it on their next problem because they again went through the motions of checking the stuff out and that just seemed like uh, some training scars to us. It, it, it's we, our job is to make access, especially in the industrial world. Uh, our benchmark is under 10 minutes and you should have them into a box and under 45. And we should be concentrating on only the things that help facilitate that. And, and, and inspecting gear should be done after the fact in a calm manner after you've uh, you know, taken a wrap off and relaxed a little bit. And I, I just think it's important uh, that we stay safe in that manner. Right on. I'm going to kick this one back over to Nate because um, I guess we've collaborated originally a long time ago with Elevated as Ronin. And I know since then we've obviously collaborated. People have gone to the RTRs and have met Micah and Shaggy through those uh, events as, you know, contracting for Ronan to do some of those. And you brought it up a little bit to begin with, Nate, about the collaboration. And I mean, multiple minds are better than one. There's the, the you know, the, the process of just having more people in there with a varied background that Stephanie was mentioning. Um, how important do you think that is at this point and at this level in rope rescue? I think it's pretty huge, honestly. And that's kind of go back to what Micah said is I think, um, I think we've all been around long enough now and we've, we've had our time in the spotlight, I guess. So like, you know, our egos are pretty minimal at this point and being able to eat some of that humble pie, as Micah said, is pretty huge. And I think that's, you know, leadership in general is that's a huge thing is being able to be humble. Um, it's the only way you're going to learn and keep progressing. Right. So, I mean, if you're, if you're out there thinking that you know everything and you're, and you're trying to, um, spelt that off. A students are going to read through that and they're not going to listen to anything you're saying anyways because they're not going to like it. But B, you, you know, you have to be a continual learner and keep progressing. So being humble, realizing you don't know everything. I think the longer you're in rope rope rescue, uh, you know, Shake's been in for 38 years and he's still learning. Same thing. I've been in for like 14 years and still learning. So, I mean, um, you just realize that is this ever changing? Like I, and I'm amazed every day when I go teach. You know, I taught a class at a nuclear power plant last week and they did some things I've never seen before. Um, you know, they weren't good to be honest with you, but it was a little eye opening. But it's like, I'm like, I didn't even think that was possible. Um, you know, but then you go to other classes and you talk with guys like Micah and Shaggy and, and, uh, and Funk and even yourself. And that's, that's where you're learning a lot. And a lot of these classes is you're learning a lot after, after the class too. So we've tried to make this class pretty, uh, you know, at the same hotel and collaborative after the class as well. That's, that's kind of part of it is just, that's kind of what we got from Eiders and Petzl Rope Trip and some of those other ones is, is really sitting down and discussing thoughts with other like-minded individuals and even not like individuals just to get a feel for them. But um, yeah, I think it's a huge aspect of this class and the way things are going in general. Um, you know, for, for elevated safety, we have, um, you know, we have guys that are rope access confined space. We have mountain guides, we have Arbor guys, we have, uh, rock climber, we have caterers, and we've gleaned a little bit from all those areas, you know, and then Mike is another level in, in that, uh, the mountain rescue area for us, and he's also rope access, he's also fire, and then same as Shaggy and, and Funk, she's an engineer, so being able to pull all that stuff together, you, you can, you can always learn more from, um, I always learn, every class I go to, I learn something, even teaching, I, I learn something, so I think that collaborative effort is huge, um, you know, getting to those classes like this and just, you're not getting one, one, um, 
one narrative from, from one company saying, hey, this is how we teach it. This is the way you have to do it. It's a bunch of uh, other companies from all over the country, really, have done stuff all over the world using things they've gleaned from people and taking stuff from, again, your classes as well and over overseas and just everything. So it's a real collaborative effort. I think you're seeing a lot of that with the gear coming out. And, and you know, Harkin owns us, obviously. So some of the gear that we're trying to make, too, is, is gear that you, know, you can be used in arbor and mountain and industry so i think that's the way rope rope in general is i think there's used to be seem like a lot of like niche little there's arborists there's mountain there's rock climbing there's con space there's fire rescue there's rope access and i think everyone's kind of starting to you know play in the same sandbox and play nicely together so yeah i think it's awesome i'm really excited about it um i'm excited to again uh, as Micah again said before, is not competing with each other really. I mean, there's you can't cover everybody. You know, that's why we put videos online. We're not that's why we're doing this stuff, type of stuff is we're not gonna reach everybody. There's there's plenty of work out there, you know. So so why not why not try to collaborate and try to give the best products to people and, and push the narrative of rope of rope rescue to where it needs to go. Right on. Um Micah, NPR. I'm going to the class, for instance. What am I expecting when I get there? I use me in a very colloquial way there. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I want you to come and have fun, Mark. Um, but I also, you know, you'd be a perfect example. Somebody coming from a very varied background, a ton of experience. Um, you still want to learn, and I know this about you. It's I'd want you to come, and I'd want to push you in your limits and also push you with some new skill sets. So it didn't matter. And this new paradigm it's sort of broad, right? You could show up with your backcountry kit and, and we could still show you to do these dirty down um, down and dirty rescues to get them done in a sort of a new and clean, efficient way and maybe help each other out. The other thing I'd want from you is I always, like, you know, Nate was just saying, I learned from the students, which is such a cool experience when you get to learn new things from them. But in general, we're not going to hamper you, Mark, with what you bring to class. We're going to take with what you have and teach you how to get down and dirty. Um, Something I love about this class is we can take this to glaciers. We can take this to the mountains. We can take it to industry. Uh, we could do a new paradigm up in Canada on a glacier field. Uh, if you look at that world in general, this backcountry world, um, they've been kind of held up for years. Uh, we could just get into glacier travel or glacier rescue in general. There is so much going on in that world that we could blow the minds. And we're still teaching 16-year-old um, sort of product. Uh, to me, we're getting past that. And that's what new paradigm is about, getting it done with new efficient ways and equipment. So uh, to me, that's, I kind of gets down and dirty with less people, right? So we're gonna invest in you individually skill-wise, and then um, we're not gonna spend six hours setting up a vortex or a pterodactyl, we're gonna get it done. Uh, we'll just say it out loud, North America is pretty bad at tra edge transitions. So um, stuff like that will be, it kind of blows people's minds. Like, hey, let's get you on a rope and you're going to help them get it up and over. You're not just going to be hanging on the basket, uh, getting a free ride. It's little things like that. Okay. Same question over. And I say it to Shaggy and Funk because they're kind of married together right now in the front seat of a, <laughs> Mr. a vertical Mr. integrity van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 uh, I wholeheartedly believe uh, it with Micah's uh, explanation. It, it, we should not be taking a long time to make access and you don't need high help most of the time if you know what you're doing. And again, our job is to uh, get people uh, 
to higher level of care as quickly as possible. And uh, in the industry that we are mainly in, um, you have people overcome by any number of things in these con spaces. And uh, you, you have an, a real opportunity to turn them around and send them home healthy if you get to them quickly. And uh, people are just not putting uh, a whole lot of uh, focus on that. It's, it's all about all of the toys that they can uh, employ and it's just not necessary. Staff, anything you wanna add? Well, since we're sitting in Texas and we're freezing and it's 50 degrees, I do wanna add that it's in, in Florida. So we're looking forward to that. Yes. It's gonna be nice and warm in January. Um, that also that helps with our uh, our thinking and our dexterity ability. So we'll be uh, back down there in the Orlando area for a few days, uh, collaborating with all of our friends. And uh, now, uh, because of the uh, overwhelming um, uh, interest in the class, uh, we are going to be launching a second offering of this class in San Diego, California, in October. So we are super stoked about going there too. Get to go home for the first time on rope, actually. Right on. I was just actually going to ask and throw that out there and go, I understand this one sold out. So if people are listening to this going, damn, I want to take this. When is it going? And you say in October in the old San Diego. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Donald Chen from San Diego Fire Department. Uh, we've been working closely with him and uh, he's helped facilitate uh, San Diego sponsoring it. And uh, I believe, uh, what do we uh, end up uh, agreeing to the second weekend of October? Uh, October 9th through the 12th, I think. Yes. Okay. Um, if people want to register for that, all of your websites, one of your websites, where do they go for that? Nate? Yeah, right now we're just running through Elevated Safety's website. That's kind of a working process. It's the, you know, collaboration, obviously. So, yeah, uh, we're just running it through ours just because we have the ability to do it. Um, that one's not up on the board yet. That one's going to come out probably in a couple of weeks or maybe the week of uh, our next class. So this is kind of just the initial announcement for it, but it's, it's going to happen. But yeah, it's not uh, up for registration yet. Okay, so this will go out a little bit before that. I'm, I'm planning on putting this out at Christmas. So a little bit of a Christmas bonus for those folks that are listening to this, knowing that that's coming and watch this space kind of thing. Um, is there anything else anybody wants to throw in here in regards to rescue in general about this program, anything we've talked to, something totally on an offside tangent? I do think we need to go to Canada and work on some glaciers. <laughs> I can make that happen. It sounds cold. Yeah, it does sound cold, but it sounds very cool too. I need Micah for that, the assistance. <laughs> I would love to. Uh, Mark, my thing is, I think the next iteration for rescue is taking these uh, high passionate people and taking them and just kind of taking them into the mountains or into their industry and immersing yourself. Uh, we've done a couple of courses where we take people, we go into the mountains for five days and it's just immersed in um, whether that's rock rescue, glacier, snow, all of it. And I think that's just another iteration that people are looking for. We have these really high end skilled people all over the world and they're looking for more stuff to do. And I think that's I think that's what we should be doing is looking for other industries we've talked about, go and take in a caving class or immerse yourself in some other industry you know nothing about uh, and make yourself uncomfortable. I think that's gonna be key. 
it's funny you say that. So we're doing that coming up in Belgium in March where we're actually got an Airbnb rented and the class will be staying together if they want in that Airbnb as well. So, but like you say, then you get that after hours and you're just immersing yourself in it. Yeah, I think that's important to, to keep them together because as, as we've all stated before, what, what happens around a pool uh, after a class is invaluable to the process. And uh, I've been using it for as long as I can remember. I always, I'm always next to water, you guys know me. And uh, there's just nothing more relaxing than good friends, good beer, cold water, and, uh, and learning together. Unless Ed's there. Sorry, anyways. Um, <laughs> Nate, anything last minute from you on this? No, just to kind of hit on those same points is uh, like Micah just said as well is, you know, if you're out there and you're just a fire rescue guy, you're just a mountain rescue guy is um, you need to get out there in other rope worlds and get uncomfortable. That's the only way you're going to learn. And, you know, that's what we've always tried to do as well. We got into Arbor, we got into rock climbing mountain and all that kind of stuff, even though we didn't know anything and we've been able to gleam a lot of stuff from it. Um, and then I think it's a collaboration thing again, I'm just really looking forward to it. And then the class, like, like Shaggy just said, you know, we're all very, uh, uh, we like to think very humble and very open to questions and discussions. And we don't think that everything is, it's hundred percent correct sometimes. And you know, that's what the class is going to be. It's going to be a discussion throughout the class that we're going to go over the whys of it. Like maybe this will work better than this. And we're going to talk about, talk through it and maybe students have some great input and change it during the class. So it's going to be a big collaborative effort between instructors and the students for it. Um, I think the last thing I just want to mention is I just want to do a quick shout out to uh, Ryan Allen from Orange County Rescue, uh, Rope Rescue Guy. He sells a lot of cool stickers. Hit him up, but he's our main point of contact for the Orlando class, and he helps on a bunch with the RTR class as well. But he's a does behind the scenes kind of guy. He gets all the logistics, and he's helping us get the locations. So I just wanted to give him a quick shout out as well. Yeah, and phenomenal guy. I'm going to throw a shout out for Ryan because you're going to see a post coming up that we're going to do today because. He's trying to put together a uh, grip team in the wildcard spot for uh, uh, Marseille. So Skylotech, if anybody from you is listening to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just going to go back across here. Just uh, how people can get a hold of you. What's your company website? Uh, all that sort of jazz. i just start on my, you guys have moved around since we started this. Uh, Shaggy and Funk, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, you can go to our website, verticalintegritytrescue.com. We're on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, Vertical Integrity Rescue. You could email us at Steph at Vertical Integrity Rescue or Shaggy at Vertical Integrity Rescue. Um, we, uh, we respond to all different types. You want to give your personal phone number out? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Just hang on. Um, <laughs> how do people get a hold of you? We lose Micah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, you can get me at uh, peak dash Reach me at uh, Micah at peak dash rescue.com. Awesome. And Nate, you guys. Yeah. Uh, ElevatedSafety.com. Uh, we're on all the social media channels and then uh, info at ElevatedSafety.com or Nate at ElevatedSafety.com. Wicked. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for coming on. And, uh, Merry Christmas. Back Merry at Christmas. you. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate Merry it. Christmas. Bye.